of the stack pack. That's right. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. Go to unsolved.com. Uh, let your boys know too. That'd be cool. But um, yeah, what's up, guys? We're back. We're still covering the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. Today we're talking about House of Terrors, uh, episode three of the Netflix reboot of Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, I'm David Howell, joined as always by the lovely Daniel Benavides. Yeah, um, I think I'm changing my name to Home Dan now permanently. Home Dan, Home Dan until the entertainment industry gets back up and running. I'm just gonna start wearing fucking uh, Adidas flip flops with long tube socks and. Why haven't you done that already? And gym shorts and. You're gonna dress like Pete Davidson. You mean that's Holmes Dan? Holmes, Holmes, Holmes Dan. (laughs) And then of course, um, uh, the delightful, as always, Elias Dominguez. Our very our our very own big bad vinyl dad. What, what hey, so you know what somebody told me recently on Friday? I called him and I was helping him over the phone do something. He's like, "You have a very soothing voice." I was like, "He's like, has anybody ever told you that?" I was like, "No." A man. And I have a, Ooh. And I have po- I have a podcast too. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> also, and if anyone lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area, if you listen to eighty eight point two The Breeze, you can find Eli Eli. On Sunday nights from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. <laughs> just uh, just playing uh, America. Yeah. It's just, just playing smooth, Yacht Rock. Easy listening. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yacht Rock. <laughs> um, and just, and America and. Your three hour. What are some other bands? Of, what are some uh, other bands? Jefferson, Jefferson Starship. Every now and then I'll throw in like an always sunny uh, Charlie Day tune where he just plays piano. Or like a Bob Seeger. Oh yeah, I'll do Bob Seger, or or maybe like a slow Hollow Notes, nothing too exciting. Yeah, nothing too um, exciting. Yeah, either. sorry. Okay, <laughs> let, let's get to the case. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're here uh, having fun. Um, this is a like gr- that John Tesh hour that they used to have. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm John Tesh. Um, so we're covering House of Terrors, which is the international entry into the new Unsolved Mysteries. Hope you got your passports. Yeah, Ooh, I loved it. You know, people it's didn't really like good. it because of the subtitles. That's fucking like, idiotic. That's the problem is people <laughs> can't read. get past subtitles. Just read. Just read. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll have to admit, it did take me way longer to take notes today because usually when I'm taking notes, okay. I'm, I'm listening to that's, what's coming next. But like, but that's, dude. That's way different. But this is though. coming from I mean, a guy who's watched and rewatched all three seasons of Dark in German because the American subtitles are weird. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and also not, not, re- not subtitles overdubbed, right? Isn't oh, it? the overdub is weird. Yeah. That's what I meant. The subtitle. Yeah. I like reading the German English subtitles. Way I better. like, I like to see German. Also another good show is called black spot, which is a French show about like some creepy shit going on in the woods. And it's like kind Speaking of, t- of French. twin pixie, twin pixie. Yeah. It's a great, uh, but what's funny to me is they never trust Americans to like get shit. They're like, Black spot. Black spot is where like you don't get cell phone service, right? Mm-hmm. They call it a white zone up there. And when you see the title, it says Zona Blanche. And then it, <laughs> and at the bottom it says black spot. And I'm like, no, that says white zone. That says white <laughs> like, zone. I know I don't speak French, but I know enough to Blanche. say that that's completely Con- different so, words. Context clues say so otherwise. I appreciate them for dumbing it down for my dumbass Americanness, but let's yeah. uh let speaking of uh French Let's let everybody know. I think we've mentioned on the podcast a few times, but Dan and I used to take French together. Oh, yeah. You guys are so excited. Years. And, and I've Years been of to French. France. <laughs> I have not been to France yet. Didn't take, didn't take a lick of 
French before. I've been to France many, many a time. Yeah, well, and Dan, Dan cannot get it. Dan and I cannot cool. speak French that well. Yeah. Oh man. I could. Well, I could I'm gonna. To I'm gonna say a lot of uh, names of uh, uh, French places and and people today. And and I can um, ask. And I've actually learned when my friend Benjamin, if I'll say something, he wants me to say something in French. That if I, the more I just kind of mum, not mumble through it, but just kind of like just go through it as quick and like um, nonchalantly as possible, it's closer to what it might is actually sound sounds like. I'm yeah. just gonna say, how many of you guys have ordered poison at a cafe trying to order fish? <laughs> oh God! And I can ask Dang. how Dan's doing today. Poison. Dan. Ça va bien ou ça va mal? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good. Um, would you like to hear my how I'm going to be pronouncing um, the person who we're going to be talking about all day today? I would love to. Xavier Dupont de Lingonis. Or we can call him Count Baguette. Or, yeah, I feel like that's a little <laughs> offensive. <laughs> Xavier Dupont. That's not woke. Xavier Dupont de Ligonesse. We would call him. I want to be a count. We would call him Z- Xavier Dupont. They legal knees. <laughs> I would. I. I. God, that's so American. Yeah. I. I would. I thought I wanted to be a lord until I watched this episode, and I'm like, no, I want to be a count. Yeah, and but I, I'm learning a lot of things that French people still take like nobi- nobility and like old families very seriously, but also that you can be a count and be like a saddled man who rents an apartment and is lonely. All right, like all right. like uh, Xavier's dad. I just have flashbacks of me cheating off somebody in our class. Yeah, you cheated off of me, which is funny because I cheated <laughs> off of the girl that was sitting next. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Which if is you're... odd because, you know, I had an 80 average and you had a 70 in that class. Yeah, so it we makes passed. Sense. Telephone. If, we passed. Well, if you're – I don't know. I feel like, yeah, if you guys were just a couple of years younger, who knows? I mean, my – my co- my little cousins moved to France and they already spoke English and Spanish, so they picked up French really quickly. And now they're like in school in their French school, they have they're learning German because they need to take a language they don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, shit. I mean, it's, it's just I mean, this, the American they didn't brain have that we have. In their school they had no. Fran. They had French, um, and Spanish. Spanish. French and is Latin. Spanish. Yeah. They also had Latin. They still had Latin when you were there? That, yeah. yeah. They, they didn't have Latin. Latin when I was there. And that was only like f- four years later? Three or four years? Our mm, French yeah. teacher was actually pretty good. It's just... Oh, was she it was the old white lady? Or not old? No. But she was old to me then she, <laughs> because I was young. Um, anyway, let's talk about... Come on. We don't need to talk about <laughs> I feel like we talked about you guys having French class in high school like a lot of times in this podcast. Yeah, we should probably cut that out. This is an interesting tale that's been... Um, covered in French media and podcasts and documentaries and things. And uh, we're getting the international treatment here in this Netflix Unsolved Mysteries episode. So this takes place in Nantes, France. Nantes? Nan? 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 Like the way she says it's like Nantes. I don't know. Can we phone a Benjamin? Yeah, we – I don't know. Probably not. I think it's 10 p.m. there. So it's like the middle of – they're like six hours ahead. So it's like straight up the middle of the night or like early morning. Um, anyway, so west of France, um, is where Nancy's is located. It's a large city, but it's quiet, middle-class type, uh, you know, um, just a chill town. I mean, that's how all these crime stories start, right? Everything was normal. Uh, middle-class people who went to church, they went to mass. Um, and then we meet this lady who's walking down Schumann Boulevard in Nancy's 
and she goes to number 55 Schumann Boulevard. And this is where, um, the bulk of our story takes place. The crime in question, Schumann Boulevard. Um, uh, the lady explains since 2011, it's been kind of, a uh, uh, people stop and pay respects and gawk at it because it's known as the house of terror amongst, uh, the mm. French community. Uh, and this is a pretty heavy story, guys, and it's got a lot of intrigue, and there's a lot of stuff that was apparently left out of this episode. So let's just dive in. Stelle Champagne um, was the neighbor. She had a little shop um, in the neighborhood, and she did work for the family. She did work for the Ligonais. Um, she did altercations, and she ironed clothes. So she knew everybody. She knew – she pretty much explained the four kids and – uh, and how it was a bustling household and the, it was a big house and the shutters were always open because there's always stuff going on. There's four kids. There's Count Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès, the dad, businessman, quote unquote, Agnes de Ligonnès, who was a Catholic school teacher and her four kids. Arthur was the oldest. He was 20. He went to a private Catholic college. Thomas was 18. He was shy. He loved music. Anne was 16. She modeled in catalogs. And she was the best student of the bunch. And Benoit, the youngest, 13, played drums. That's what the lady had to say about him because she could just hear this little bitch playing drums all the time. <laughs> just kidding. And they're all sweet, like good-looking sweet kids. And it's this is a, it's a shame. Yeah. Um, I could just imagine the Thomas Benoit band that uh, never was. Oh, it's sad. <laughs> it's a sad story. Um, so, I mean, of course, by all accounts on the outside, on the surface, quite the happy, perfect family. Um, April 11th, 2011, Stella notices that these shutters on the Legonese house are closed. And that's very weird. Super out of the ordinary. She says even when they went on vacation, they were open. Yeah, yeah. And, and she, yeah. People are pretty open in France, you know. Like, especially in the way they explain this neighborhood that was kind of in the middle of Nantes is like, just kind of like, uh, you know, central and tight knit. Um, there was a note on their mailbox saying to stop, uh, leaving mail there. So Tuesday, when she goes back to work, she notices that still nothing's changed. Uh, Monday is kind of a day of rest. Like no one actually works on Monday. It's pretty chill. God. Um, Wednesday, she gets worried. She, that's when she's like, all right, something's up. These shutters are all closed. So she calls the police. April 13th, the police go to do like a normal welfare check. Um, they call a locksmith and they say everything is pretty normal. The episode, okay, this is our first um, grain of salt. You know, this is stuff we found on the internet. We don't know if it's true. But the episode says that everything is pretty normal except for some sheets have been removed from the bed and duvets, of course, because they're French. And closets are open and something, you know, like closets were open kind of nonchalantly. But everything right. is normal. The, um, and the visuals we have based on the episode was that everything looked normal except that I, – I one thing that point that I noticed in the episode in the like reenact – I guess you can call them reenactments. I don't know if this is true or not, but the – Frames were still up, but they didn't have pictures. In yeah, they that. mentioned that the pictures in the frames were gone. But other than that, everything That's was weird. Yeah, they, yeah. Because when you take a picture, you don't just take the picture; you take the frame with you. What? Yeah, yeah. Unless like if you're moving, unless you're trying to conserve space. Um, 
so people, so police seem to think that they left on their own accord. But this is, yeah, this is our first kind of grain of salt area because this Reddit thing says that, um, like a lot of things were taken care of and they could tell and that the house was like empty, which is really weird. Um, it says that the family's fares were, the family's affairs were taken care of prior to the murder slash disappearances. Yeah. So the, the timeline gets really interesting. I, I, I've been reading the Wikipedia timeline. And so the family's final action. So these are the things that he did prior to, to the said and set, uh, the said murders. Um, okay. the lease to the house had been terminated. All of the bank accounts for the family had been closed out. So they had no money in bank accounts. They had no credit okay, cards. They did not mention that. At Everything all. was closed out. They were had a zero balance. Um, all the schools, like the kids were going to pi- private Catholic schools. All their schools had received all of their payment for the rest of the year's tuition. Wait, or what? like last payment, right? Yeah. Like, like, so the final settlement, like they were settled for the rest of the year. Like, you know, they were done. They were in the black. No one was going to come. Okay. But wait, when was collecting. that payment? When was that payment given? It, they don't it say. Mention? It just says before. It says family final action. So this is points. prior to to the to these incidents, and then also That's at the hard. same time, uh, Agnes, right? Is yeah. that, uh, Agnes's uh, employer uh, was informed that she was sat, uh, suffering of gastritis. Remind me which one is Agnes? The, the wife, the mom, the mother, the yeah, wife. Gastrointer. Ter- Tertis? Gastron? Gastroenteritis. <laughs> so basically, infectious diarrhea. Yeah, and the, and she's moving to Australia also. She's got to quit her job because she's got bad diarrhea. She's got she, the shits and she's it's like moving pick, to pick down one. Under. Pick one. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, and then also their neighbor notices the uh, sign taped to the door that says, please return all correspondence to sender. Thank okay. you. Merci. Merci. So, okay, that is weird. The excuse for the wife was that she's moving to Australia. Because she has the shits. Yeah. Okay, that we're going to put a pin but, in that because later the excuse he gives for why they're where they are is way different. Yeah, and it's also weird that it's also weird that they say this Reddit also some Reddit. I don't know how true it is. I don't think it's too true. Says the whole house was completely empty, and there's a cop on the fucking TV saying there wasn't enough to start an actual investigation based on just uh, you know some sheets being gone. Well, I was just thinking like now that you say this, like because we uh, I just mentioned like the lease of the house had been terminated, so they didn't own the property; it was rented. Could it be possible that, you know, the property that they were renting was furnished? So when they say completely emptied, they mean like emptied of personal effects. Of their stuff. Versus, you know, the furniture that comes with the house. Yeah, I don't know. Because they do say Um, like nothing was out of place other than a few sheets missing and photos. I'm going to write down some notes and we're going to talk about them at the end. One car. So um, there's a bunch. They owned a bunch of cars. There's a lot of kids of that age. Uh, and only one car was missing, and it was a C5, which is a compact uh, car. A Citroen C5. And uh, no way six kids and two dogs – six people and two dogs could have fit in there. Um, and, and this is a point that Stell, the neighbor, brings up. And, and she said the the cops looked at her like – oh, because the cops just assumed that they left on their own accord because of what the evidence they found at the house. So when she brought right. up that there's no way that all six of them and two dogs just fucking left in that little car. Yeah, that's in more that two car. adults and one judge a good boy. She literally plus, says. Plus the 
plus their stuff. Yeah, and she literally says they they said what do you, what, they looked at me like what are you smoking? Right. Um. So let's talk about the the April fourteenth letters that everybody got. <laughs> oh yeah. So a bit. I mean, just. A bunch of like acquaintances and friends and family got these letters from Xavier, pretty much saying that uh, he got recruited by the DEA and he was moving to America to right. help with some like drug uh, ring, and that nobody would see his family for a long time, and he, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to contact him. Didn't it also say like he was an exceptional man? Like, no, that's just what everybody else says because ah. the family's so noble. <laughs> so. Yeah, again, the wife gave her excuse that they're moving to Australia. The husband, or I'm saying the husband, but these letters that were given out were saying they're moving to America. And America. But what's funny, I feel like the, Ag- the Agnes thing was just an email, right? Like she like resigned. Like I don't think she's like, hey, I'm moving to Australia and I got bad shits. Like, so when did they, they discover the bodies in but March, I'm not sure. right? Still weird. In April. It's all April. In April? Well, because uh, there, there's some interesting uh, info uh, for the April timeline. So Friday, April 1st, Arthur, the oldest child, leaves uh, his college. And uh, he doesn't turn up to the pizzeria where he works to collect his monthly wages. And that kind of throws off his boss because his boss was boss was saying, like, he always shows up. Like, on the first of the month, he's always there yeah, that's weird. collecting to get his, his cash. Money. Yeah. And then also on that same day, Xavier uh, buys cement, a shovel, and a hoe. The well, same day of what? August 1st? April 1st. April yeah. April 1st. Right, sorry. And then on April 2nd, uh, Xavier buys four bags of lime from various shops in the area. This fucker murdered the fuck out of his family. Um, yeah, that's weird. All right, before we jump into a little more murder stuff, let's should we talk a little bit about Xavier's cool friend Bruno? Oh yeah, oh he's man. so cool and handsome. Yeah, for a guy who's like pushing sixty. Wow, wow. Um, is that how old he was? Damn. Well, I mean, he, he said that he grew up with. I'm, I'm just imagining he's the same age as Xavier, or or at least pretty in general vicinity. So this guy's from uh, Versailles, and uh, he met. Xavier in the seventies when they were like 16 and they were best friends and neighbors and they both came from noble families. The French, like we were saying, they take their nobility very seriously and they were of a prestigious ilk. Xavier's father was actually a count as well. Obviously he's a count. His dad's a count. They're counts. Uh, Someone in his family was a musketeer. There was, uh, Bruno also says something about, at one point, the was family his name D'Artagnan. The family was associated with a castle in the center of France. Like that's so vague. No, it was Chocula. It, it sounds like that sounds like a fucking sounds like a fairy tale. You know, a castle. They belong. They used to have a castle in the center of France. So nobility was very important to Xavier Xavier. So he meets Agnes in the 1980s. They fall in love, but uh, he longed for adventure, and he actually dumped her ass. I dump your ass. Is what he said. Um, just, I do not accept you. Tabernak. But do get out. I do not love you. I'm going to travel. Um, so he found himself. Uh, he wanted to find himself. So I guess he found himself. And by the time he gets back from finding himself, Agnes is knocked up. 
Um, and he actually decides to marry her and adopt the kid, which is uh, unheard of, especially because he gave the kid his famous Legonese last name, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know. You're going to give this bastard child your name of Legonese? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. I gave yeah, her the old uh, de Legonese. Apparently that was uh, unheard of, but he did it. And then they started their family. They had uh, three more kids. Uh, he had two more sons and one daughter that were actually his. With all that said, the lady who's telling us the uh, bulk of the story. Well, hold on. I, I did want to mention before you, you go further that the friend did say that the note does seem like it was something he would say. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, interesting because at first he says he doesn't believe he did it. And then by the end, he's like, how could he have done it? It's it's weird. The way that Bruno the progression of the yeah. story. Yeah. With all that being said about how he's so noble and extraordinary and good family, whatever that this lady's explaining to like an eight page letter saying this dude has secretly been in the DEA. They think, you know, she, she's like a reader. The first reaction a reader might have is maybe. <laughs> and the, the way she says it is great, but you know, because everybody takes their nobility seriously. Like, Oh yeah, Sure. That guy from that famous family? Yeah, he's a secret agent. Why not? It's very patriarchy yeah. driven. So April 15th, they return to the house. Nothing more. Um, this is when they talk – in the episode, this is when they talk about the pictures missing from the frames. The fam- um, Her family apparently is like, what the fuck? A family doesn't just disappear. Um, uh, if you've seen the episode, it goes from April 18th to another visit. They find nothing. April 19th and then April 20th. And still, they can't come up with anything new until April 21st. This is the day that under the terrace, under their porch, they called it a terrace, terrace porch, whatever. Um, somebody finds a plastic bag. And in the reenactment, at least, it looks like the first thing that was found was a foot. Which to me was amazing that the police went out so many times. If this was the if this if this crime happened in America, they would not have gone back. Those people, I don't feel like they would have been found for God, and not until somebody dug them up. I think would that. Hmm, I have no idea. But the fact that the police actually went like sick, they went like well, I mean, it's because they were just trying to find any clue of where they might be. But I feel like if it was America, they'd be like, "Nah, they're gone." Like we have the note. American police would be like, oh yeah, there's there's nothing else showing us. Why would we go back? There's a the lot note of- is ridiculous. The note is comical. Oh yeah, this guy who's like 50, he he only got into firearms like last month. Um, he well, doesn't have a criminal record. He applied record. for the lesson or for the Why license would- in February. I just I just felt like the the French police had, I just feel like the French police did a little bit more digging than Well so there's a lot of, there's a lot of information that isn't discussed on the Netflix special. On April 3rd is the last official uh sighting of Agnes alive. A neighbor uh Fabrice uh, Fabrice Fabrice. Fabrice. Um, so, yeah, sure. Um, sees Agnes uh, for the last time shortly afterwards. Uh, she also sees Xavier putting large bags into his uh, his car. Um, that Also that same night, the couple and the three of their children are seen dining in a restaurant and also seen at a, sim- uh, at a cinema. 
And then at 1037, when they arrive back home, Xavier leaves a voicemail on his sister's answering machine that states, we spent our Sunday evening in the cinema together and then in a restaurant. We just got back. I'm just calling to ask if it's too late to speak to you on the phone. And now I see it's gone to voicemail. But I was surprised you spoke to me about Bertram, who's getting ready for his flight. Huh. But I thought he only just arrived. So... I was a bit surprised. Anyway, sending my love. If it's not too late to call, call me back or send me a text and I'll call you. Okay? I'm going to put the kids to bed. Say hi to everyone. See you soon. Maybe. What day was that voicemail sent? That was sent at 1037 p.m. April 3rd. Hmm. It was made public in September of 2019. So, meanwhile, after they locate the bodies for the first time, um, this, the DA is having a press conference about how they're looking for leads and they want people to come forward with information about what happened to this family because there's no sign of them. And in the middle of this press conference, I guess someone whispers into his ear and he just says, I have to stop this press conference. We'll resume it at a later time. Boom. Just got to stop. And what he finds out is they found human bodies under the house. <laughs> So he kind of needs to uh, regroup and decide what the hell they're going to tell the press next. That's straight up something from a movie. <laughs> right. Because at that, at this point, at this point they were just missing. Yeah. So all the bodies were found wrapped up in sheets and duvets and then they were wrapped in plastic and then tied. Um, there was a religious icon next to each body. Like he did some that- kind of poser religious burial. I felt like that a little bit creepy. <laughs> it's creepy, and it's also like it, it's a telling thing that he had respect for these people that he brutally murdered in their sleep. Um, so, in one area was Agnes, which is the mother, Arthur, who was twenty, Benoit, thirteen, and Anne, who was sixteen, and the two black labs, and they were all buried in one grave together. God, he even did the dogs in. I know what a piece of shit. And in a separate grave, they found Thomas. Tomas. Tomas. And of course, Papa Xavier Dupont de Ligonese is nowhere to be seen. Um, and immediately an international warrant is put out for Xavier, and he becomes, of course, the prime suspect, obviously. And we've already talked about some of what he did that day leading up to it. So, yeah, I mean, lime and shovels and concrete, yeah. Um, his attorney is a shady weirdo. He thinks because he was a nice guy and he had a bad back that it's literally impossible <laughs> that he murdered his family. Which is very comical. He, we should have had him on the podcast. He's way funnier than I us. know. He, he has, he has a, his, his back is terrible. He's like, it's literally impossible is pretty much what he says. It's like, shut the fuck but up. But they say his oldest son, Thomas, the, the forensic says he died at a later date. So what if he killed the rest of the family and then and made, made his Tomas bury them? That's oh, so yeah. fucked up. Fucked. No, that I don't think he would do that because God, I hope not. Yeah. Well, if you're at gunpoint, I mean, just it's like your son. What we know is he put him to sleep and murdered them in their sleep. I, I don't think he, uh, he, he was trying to shield them from something. I don't think he would have done something so awful as to make them make him bury his own family. But I mean, it is a, <sighs> I mean, he did murder them, but it's just like, I'm thinking of his perspective from what we know. I don't know. know. That's pretty 
it's fucked all around. It's it's yeah. Either way, I mean, it's not like one's better than the other. But, but. Uh, what if it wasn't necessarily the sense of like you know dig these holes because we're burying your your mom and your siblings? But what if it was like hey, like I need you to to dig this out we're gonna do something i'm gonna go check up at your mom and when i come back we'll take you to the hospital or you know these yeah, holes, yeah. I'm going to right, we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah. over here though but oh no no i don't think so because why wouldn't he we haven't even talked about how why thomas would be wanting to check up on his mom does it say how they were how he does it say how he put them to sleep? They well, no, but they with a twenty-two long rifle round oh, in the head. That's terrible. <laughs> Forever sleep. No, they yeah, they, they all had sleeping pills in their system, and they were each shot twice in the head with the twenty-two. I wonder how he administered the sleeping pills. Yeah, well. I don't know. Um, Dan's. I mean, like Dan said, they did. They, they were all eating out that night. But I guess it would be a little too obvious if he just like poisons everyone's drink. <laughs> Ice cream. Um. So all the kids, yeah, all the kids sleeping pills. Agnes had no sleeping pills in her system. Uh, she did have a, a loud sleep apnea machine that helped her sleep, and it went, apparently went off at 3 a.m. They don't know why. And uh, that's why the cops think that she was the first victim. And then, of course, all the kids are killed with two bullets to the head. Everybody's killed. That's crazy how they're able to know that the uh, the sleep apnea machine was turned off at 3 a.m. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's some technology but man, oh, Dude, okay, so I don't know if you want to talk about this now or later, about the sheets. like Because I know they bring it up later in the episode. Do you want to bring it up later? Well, I mean, these there was no, no blood. There was no blood at all. Yeah. Like these, the, whatever he did, they were really well thought out. It's like, it's, it's maybe like he put him to sleep like really hard, then wrapped him up in plastic and then shot him. Yeah. And there wouldn't be that much blood. I mean, there probably still would be. I don't know. I feel like I saw that in a horror movie. Wasn't that in like Red State where they wrapped the kid's head in plastic and then they like shoot him in the head and then like all the gore is like kind of contained a little bit. I don't know if that's actually how that would work. I don't know, but it's a really fucked up scene. But yeah, th I mean that's that's what I was thinking of when I was like, how could there be no blood? Because that is truly one of the biggest mysteries: is how is there five victims, and actually six, seven if you count the adorable little fur babies. Unless he did like a Dexter, the judge of good boys. Like unless he did like a Dexter where he kill roomed fully it, fully wrapped the room. Yeah, we don't know what the condition of the bodies were. You know, they don't go into that much. Uh, but I mean, that much detail about that. But I mean, it's just a weird, crazy mystery, mysterious detail that they they couldn't, for the life of them, find any evidence that Deligonese himself, Xavier, actually did this. Like no evidence at all. Not it's not just there's no blood. There's no like nothing. And then when they start talking about why Thomas was uh, killed at a different time, the the reporter, the investigator lady says. That uh, maybe he hesitated killing Tomas because that would have been the last of his line, of his lineage. Um, also, Th Tomas had to go back to school and he actually let the kid go back to school. And apparently he didn't let the other kids go back to school. Um, and on Tuesday, he called him back and said that his mom had been in a bicycle accident and that she was in a coma and might not wake up. And it was very serious. And he had to get the fuck home. And apparently he went home. And as far as the Unsolved Mysteries episode says, um, the last they heard of him was at midnight when his he texted a friend. His friend texted him back after midnight, but he never replied. So that's when they think the sleeping 
drugs took effect. Um, but I think Dan learned something that's unconfirmable about how people saw uh, Xavier and Tomas eating by themselves in early, in early April, just the two of them. And the waiter said that it was real awkward, like they, their body language and their vibes, right? Yeah, so on Monday, April 4th, Xavier dines alone with his son Thomas at Tomas. a restaurant called Le Croix Cadou, which is a high-end restaurant uh, near Angers. Um, the pair arrived at about 9 p.m., and Xavier ordered a 35-euro tasting menu with a half bottle of red wine. Very specific. Um, Thomas had a sea bass dish with tomato juice. The total bill came out to 72 euros and 55 cents. Uh, the two waiters that served them remember Thomas feeling unwell near, unwell near the end of the meal and that Xavier and Thomas barely spoke at all during the in- entire ordeal. Hmm. Um, Do you think he took him out and fucking gave him the sleep medicine, and that's why he was kind of feeling last meal? Weird. It's not here in the Wikipedia, but there was an article that I found that was roughly translated thanks to Google Translate that was talking to one of the waiters, and he was talking about like every time any interaction between them, their their body language was stiff. Like he was like, you know, he would come and like when he delivered the bill, the their body language is very like on guard and very kind of yeah. staged. Hey guys, we're all stuck inside. It's super hot anyway, so why not throw on this uh, podcast? Um, introducing the Spook Troops Summer of Scream. That's right, we're covering the Scream franchise over the next couple of months. And um, we just dropped the first episode where we cover, of course, the original 1998 Scream. So hang out with your boys, and um, we'll relive the 90s and the early 2000s um, fun horror comedy gems that is the Scream franchise. Check it out. Summer Scream. Spook Troop. All right, now let's get into the little bit of uh, info that the episode, the Unsolved Mysteries, gives us. That uh, Mr. Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès was not living the affluent life that he was. Uh, he wasn't portraying. actually as successful as he was portraying. Is well, a better way to say it? Bad, bad businessman. Um, apparently, in the early 2000s, he really wanted to relocate his family to Florida, and it wasn't as easy as he thought. Uh, he, I guess he thought maybe because he had money, it would be easier to go to Florida. But uh, if he was only Russian. But that's not, but that's not how it worked out. And apparently, they spent a lot of their money, most of their money, in fact. Yeah, they said that their life savings they spent trying to get to the USA. His friend Bruno explains that pretty much 2001 to 2011 was a slow downward spiral of him losing money and trying to start new businesses and, um, you know, portraying them as successful, but in truth. None of his businesses were very successful. And apparently he knew that this was a ticking time bomb and he knew his money was running out. Um, he was aware that he might lose the house and that he might have the law to face, in fact, for, you know, creditors and things like that. I don't know. 
Well, that's funny that you say that or that you bring that up because on April 5th, a bailiff comes to the house and tries to collect a 20,000 euro debt that was owed, but no one answered. Hmm. So, yeah, he was definitely in some financial. That's a lot of cash. 20,000 euros. That's like 25,000 U.S. And he was he was proud like to be a rich nobleman, and I think he was way too proud. I think that's why this crime exists. He didn't want to lose his clout as a fancy rich man. Uh, he I, like it. I mean, at the end of the day, this case boils down to this sentence, which is: it seems like he would rather kill his kids than let them know that he was fucking broke. That's like so <laughs> fucked up. Like I'd, I'd rather my family be dead. I'd, I'd rather my bloodline. I'd rather my bloodline be ended since instead of people knowing I'm. Yeah, broke. that's some narcissistic behavior. What kind of fucked up shit is that? Instead of being like normal middle class, <laughs> just working. You know, yeah. you never know. Sorry, we live in the Lexus neighborhood. God. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and this and that that line pretty much uh, that whole train of thought pretty much comes from Bruno, who's the guy at the yeah. first at the beginning of the episode who says he there's no way his friend did this, and by the end of the episode is singing like a canary if the canary <laughs> was Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga. So ra, I'm just kidding. I'm you got to update your Gaga fucking reference. That's like. What's the uh, what's, what's the, the latest? What's the latest Gaga? Okay, uh, what's that? She's got song? an iPhone commercial. No, what's the fucking the one from the Star exactly. Born that everybody loves? No, there's a new honey, one. Honey, hell, how you happy on hell, 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 hell. <laughs> what about a million reasons? A million reasons is a good one. I highly recommend that if you don't like Lady Gaga, check out Million Reasons. Um, all right. So anyway, give me a million reasons. Give me a million mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So January 20th of 2011, Girl. three months before the murder, Xavier's father dies. And this was count grandpa. Uh, Hubert was his first name. Hubert de Ligonese, I guess. Um, he was, so count grandpa died of a heart attack and Xavier's, uh, charged with clearing out his stuff and the neighbor um hubert's neighbor tells us that uh he was looking for a ring he was looking for hidden money he was looking for anything he could find and at the end of the day he didn't find anything except he was pretty disappointed that his dad didn't leave him anything there was nothing left he thought it was going to be his way out but as David said, there was some things that he did find. Yeah. He put to good use. One important. Good use, quote unquote. One thing that he did find, yeah. The old twenty two long rifle um, that I guess, you know, we're all thinking it, that he probably most likely used to kill his family. Yep. Do they mention, like, what the family was shot with? Yeah, a twenty two long rifle. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, 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 this story is less about who did it, but fucking why and where is this motherfucker, you know? Yeah. It, 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 it's like. And I thought there was going to be a twist. I thought that they were going to find him somewhere, like in a ditch. Yeah. And I was like, well, who made him do this? But nope. We get a different ending. Um, the investigator lady tells us that um, Hubert was, in fact, very broke and that the last years of his life were quite sad. 
Um, she mentions illness, loneliness, and poverty, but then she kind of like backtracks on the poverty and she's like, by poverty, I mean, not a fucking count. Like anything was probably, <laughs> it just, he was, he was renting an apartment, which yeah. for a count would have been a low, I suppose. Well, apparently it wasn't, wasn't, um, Xavier, wasn't he, him and his family renting that house? I think so. Well, I mean. I'm sure, like they they didn't live where he grew up, and like where all the nope they they didn't live in Versailles Versailles anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the, it seems like the family probably did. Uh, they probably they, they probably were slumming went down it a little. Yeah, slumming it a little, even though they still lived in like you know a, they a went nice big the, house. They went from the Bentley neighborhood to the Lexus neighborhood, which you know, let's face it, that's yeah. rough. It's a big downgrade. So now that Mr. De Ligonese is it is De Ligonese the full ass name or is it Ligonese? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, we might be fucking this up. Sorry to uh, people who actually know French. Um, but anyway, so a month after he gets this gun from his dad, um, Xavier Xavier gets a firearm license. February second, twenty eleven. Um, he even at one point takes his two sons to the shooting range with him, and he. <sighs> Asks the instructor at some point about a silencer, which would make it pretty um, easy to fucking kill people without people hearing in the middle of downtown Nantes. Hey, David. Hmm. How do you say silencer in French? Silencia. 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 Sorry. <laughs> we had to rewind it a few times because both of us were like, was like well, did because you hear how she say it? Let's rewind it. It was like in the span of uh, of like two minutes where one or two different people said silencia, you know, like silencer. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I like that. I don't know. There's certain words that are like universal. Little we nuances. like the accent. Like, oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with the, the sound of the French language. Like any song that's in French, like. <laughs> we were listening to Spotify and a song came up that was Levy a straight up pop French pop hit and it sounded great. And I just love it because of the sound of French. So he's asking the fucking instructor about a silencer. It's just so fucked up that the boys were there. March 12, 2011, he buys a silencer. So this is like roughly a month prior to him killing his whole fam. So to put it into perspective, their last scene on April 4th, it's April 21st by the time they find the bodies, I believe, when when uh, Xavier becomes straight up suspect one. So there's three weeks where they just haven't been looking for him. And, um, um, and he hasn't really been worried about being found. I guess you would know if the bodies were found right away, right? I don't know. Right. So cops are automatically, you know, searching hotels, restaurants near the area and the next day april 22nd his car is found in rockburn sur argin argin i'm trying guys i know that i stayed in newville sur sur son i know that i know that my family lives in newville sur son which is like on the river i think that's what that means i don't know what sur argin means but um this is where they found his car in, I'm going to try one more. Rochbrun sur Argent. I, I don't, I, I went, I gave it a, I don't think there's, but anyway, I tried. So, um, so this is a little time timeline just to break things down for you guys. April 4th, he kills the family. Uh, April 5th, he kills Tomas. 
Um, that whole week he just stays at home by himself, apparently. Some friends and acquaintances see him around the hood that week by himself. Um, a week after the murder, he leaves in his car and he gets snapped for speeding. He gets a little speeding picture taken when he's in between Nantes and La Rochelle, which is another uh, French city. At noon, he's seen at a restaurant. Actually, he's not seen at a restaurant. He fucking swipes his credit card uh, around that time at a restaurant. So he's just living his life. Yeah, he's just continuing. He uses his ho- his credit. He uses his credit card or debit card. He uses a card again at a hotel in La Rochelle, and then he heads south and southwest in France. Um, and uh, yeah, he just doesn't seem to be hiding. I mean, I guess he, he must have been really confident in the job he did, you know, and his card is used in multiple locations, multiple locations. Um, they even show an ATM photo, which is pretty insane to see a picture of this dude at an ATM days after he just brutally murdered and buried his family. See, that's another thing that makes me question like the information. Cause like they say that he's seen using an ATM card, but yet the Reddit and the Wikipedia says that all his bank accounts were closed. So, what card was he using? How were they tracking him? It, see, that's the thing that I don't know how to trust these internet sources. I know. Yeah. That, that's what makes it so much more juicier is yeah. like. We're, what we're doing, you guys, is we're presenting the things that we have found. Uh, I, f- I feel like I'm being pretty clear of what is in the episode and what we are finding along the way. And I'm, I'm we're trying, we're sort of trying a new way of doing this, but I, I hope it's working out. Uh, let us know. We kind of did it last week unintentionally um, with the 13 minutes of the Patrice Indress case. So police saw this, like, tracking his card. They saw it as a kind of farewell pilgrimage, if you will. Um, and their thought was that this was – these were the acts of somebody who was about to kill himself. Um, for instance, La Rochelle is where he and Agnes lived when they were younger. Seemed to be pretty happy. He also stops in Toulouse, which is where some of the kids were born, apparently. And, Great um, town. And yeah, I've heard a lot of things about Toulouse. It, is it on the beach or is it close? No, I don't. No, I don't think it's on the beach, right? I don't think so. So he heads a little bit more down south uh, to the south of France. Some other places where he's just, you know, he was young and happy, and they think that he, you know, some one of the people's somebody says that he wanted to end things in a place where he was most happy but as we know the last stop was in roque roque baroon sur argent um that's where his car was left at a formula one hotel which is interesting they have a uh, formula one hotels vroom, vroom. he's seen on this this is a creepy i wish they had this video i'm angry that they don't have this video why the fuck don't they have this video of yeah, him walking away from the hotel on the cctv and footage waiting. Because apparently he waves, right? Apparently he waves and he has some sort of rifle-shaped something. So you're saying that his car was found at a Formula One hotel. That makes me kind of wonder, do you think the hotel beds there are shaped like Formula One race cars? That's what I imagined. Like a Disney World? Like a little kid race car yeah, bed? Yeah, can I, can I stay in, a, in an Andretti race car <laughs> bed? Um, when, when I was in- Can I get the Dreddy room? No, I want the the one. I want the 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 one from Cars. Yeah, like a car bed. The Mater. Do they have Mater? That would be sick. <laughs> uh, sir, Is there a Mater room. 
Uh, sir, when was the last time you had your tetanus shot? Last year? Okay, you can stay a mater. <laughs> Everything's rusted. Rusted out shitbox. <laughs> so it, this fall, I was in Versailles with uh, four kids. And Did you murder them? And three adults. And and I was like, oh, shit, am I sleeping in the car today? Like, Because we're getting a hotel. I'm running out of money. And we stayed at this hotel. Benjamin got two rooms. And one of them was like a double bed and then a bunk bed on top and then a little single bed on top. So Benjamin and Sandra and Carlos and I stayed in one room. And then the grandpa and the little and the girls and Samuel stayed in another room. Like these rooms are like stacked on each other, like just enough space you need oh, yeah. to like do the thing. And it was very clean. And, you know, the bed wasn't like insanely comfortable. It was like exactly what you need. It was like the bare, oh, yeah. the bare comfortable minimums, and I and when I told you you were familiar with the the hotel, what oh was yeah, it? Uh, it fuck, was, <laughs> it was like Ibis or something like that. Yeah, Ibis. And I was Ibis. like, oh yeah, like where everything comes from IKEA. Uh, I think you're right. And then the next day, uh, Carlos was sending me pictures because they went on to uh, Lyon. No, fuck. Where did they? They went on to uh, fuck. Oh, Tabernak. They went. They went on to uh, where Benjamin's parents lived. Um, I forget what, what city. And uh, he and I was in Paris at a fucking hostel, and he sent me a picture from it, Ibez, and it could have been the same fucking room. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, but um, it was cheap, and they're everywhere. They're super cheap. They're super shitty. People, people are so nice in France if you're just not in Paris. I, I, I stayed at an Ibis in London in the first day I stayed You mean there. if you're American and you stay in Paris? Yeah. Uh, honestly. No, just anyone that's not a Parisian. Honestly, dude. Honestly, <laughs> the things that this fucking presidential. Sorry. The things that this president has done to like me just wanting to be an American in Europe is just. It's no fun. So <laughs> a little pro tip from Seasoned World Traveler. The bigger city you go to overseas, the shittier the people are to you. The smaller, I feel the like town, that's true here too. The it's smaller true, yeah. town it's you go universal. to, the nicer they are. Yeah, because they haven't caught like on. To I feel how like it's hundred percent true here. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like, like for instance, we we're eating, we're drinking at the cheapest Witherspoons in Birmingham, England, Birmingham, England. And um, some guys just like, what? You're American? Hey, can I come and hang out with you guys? Have a beer? We're like, sure. He's like, if it was London, that wouldn't happen. But someone in Birmingham's like, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) With a Burmese accent. That was not a Burmese accent. We're getting pissed just like you. Yeah. And we just, we hung out from 3 p.m. to like 9 p.m. with this kid. Uh, He was a card-carrying member of the conservative uh, English party. Um, It it was an interesting conversation. A bus driver and a DJ. Yeah. He was a bus driver. He was about to be a bus driver. Oh, bus driver and train. Yes, and a DJ and wow. train. And he was nice. Uh, we didn't agree on politics, but we had a His lovely name time. Was Dan, <laughs> I got a great video of David passing out mid sentence. Dude, the and beer was really? so cheap. Yeah, and then I put a straw in his mouth, and Dan and I just chuckled. It was a Dan and you're, Dan moment. You're gonna have to send me that. The, you're gonna have to send me that video. The beer was so cheap and it was straight from the cask. Fucking one pound eighty. If you haven't had a cask ale, um I don't know. Actually it's actually I've learned it's not for everybody because my brother was like, Can I get a real fucking cold beer? Yeah, what a bitch boy. <laughs> 
como se anyway. diz, bitch boy. Oh, I'm sorry that we're just talking about traveling because we've been fucking stuck forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not trying to be pretentious b-holes. He waves goodbye with his rifle-shaped bag and walks off into the backwoods of France. Um, and basically every you know he went there to go kill himself. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm mad they don't show it too, dude. It's like they don't have it. I don't know. Like somebody lost it. Like why wouldn't they show it? It's so frustrating. If it exists and I haven't seen it, um, I want to know about it and I want to see it. I don't know. I feel <laughs> that's all. <laughs> but anyway, so of course they do an extensive search of the area. It's fucking three weeks later. Uh, I thought I'd point that out <laughs> again. So these people are looking for any sort of clues, a fucking body, whatever they got, you know, something. And uh, for two months, apparently, they did a search of this area and found nothing. Um, 98% of, how do you say this, familicide? Familicide, right? Familicide was when you uh, murder your family, uh, committed by the father. 98% of the time, this father kills himself. But this is that little 2%. Um, and as lady explains what happens to those 2%, if he does escape into the woods, I mean, there's also a possibility that they just didn't find him, you know, that he scale that, that, you know, he could have went up onto a mountain or under a rock or in a cave or who knows. There's so many things in just dense forest, the way they're explaining the backwoods. But, um, some of the things he could have done is the ocean was 30 kilometers away. He could have hopped on a boat. Um, he could have gotten on a cargo ship in full false Foss, Foss, which is near Marseille. Um, he also could have just gotten on the highway to Italy. Uh, there's also mountain path roads to Italy and he could have just got a cheap train ticket paid in cash to, and went to Croatia. <laughs> and those are just the things that are on the, that's come up, uh, you know, that she's just thinking on the top of her head. Like, um, and I think at one point in the episode, she says something like people that think that Xavier Dupont de Ligonnais is still in France are idiots. Like if he yeah, if he's this no smart, uh, that's paraphrasing by the way, <laughs> but if he's this smart and this meticulous about, you know, the cover, the crime scene being completely like nothing ever happened, like to think that he would still be in France, which is a small country and in a very central area of the world where you could, you know, 200, 200, 300 miles, you could hit up a number of countries. Xavier Dupont de Ligonnès was a pretty good English speaker and also pretty fluent in Spanish as well. Um, the investigator, is that lady an investigator or is she a friend? I, I did miss her title at the beginning. The lady who tells most of the story, um, oh, God. or she, she might have wrote the book. I don't know, but him anyway. But her and Bruno both think that he's most likely in Latin America somewhere, Argentina, uh, Colombia, whatever. Another thing that one of the investigators points out is that he's such a normal-looking dude. I would say yeah. more so in France. But at the same time, yeah, like he could fit into pretty much because he doesn't look completely super, super duper. I'm a white guy, like freckles, blonde hair, but he doesn't look, he's not like really dark skinned or anything. Like he, right. he could just kind of just fit in the background. 
I kind of blend in anywhere. Yeah, there's a there's another picture of him where he has a mustache where he's like younger with one of his sons, and uh, he looks like a different person. He could have grown a beard, changed oh, yeah. his hair. He did have pretty distinct, uh, not great teeth, but I mean that's easily fixed as well. This podcast is sponsored by Invisalign, and just for men. Um, I don't know. Get your ten percent <laughs> off by typing in straight teeth. At Invisalign.com. Um, so oh, I, I just felt like I had to lighten it up. I mean, we're talking about four dead kids and a... And a dead mom. And a dead mom. And, dead and mom. two dead judge and of good two dogs. Judge of good boys. two dead judge of good boys. I don't want to genderify the dogs. So. What are some other weird shits from the shit we found? Now, Now's the time to get weird. Oh, oh, did you read the thing about the Chicago... Did you read? Yeah, I didn't read it. I just saw there was like a CCTV footage of him getting money in an ATM that looks similar to him. But the car in the background kind of looks European. I can't. It does. Like the license plate area looks very European, like thin and long. Yeah, I noticed that too. So this is what Terry Muir has told Variety. Somebody was actually in Chicago. I think they were on Lakeshore Drive. And they heard this guy talking French, and they looked at him, and they had just seen the episode. They sent us a photo, and it really did look like Xavier. 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 It was striking. So we sent that tip on. But again, this is just a stranger. We don't have a name. We don't have anything specific. Mirror also says, in Xavier's case, what we're hoping for is that he's remarried, or he has a girlfriend, or he lives next door to somebody. Or he has a coworker who absolutely 100% knows that that is him. We need a very specific lead because those leads come in from all over the world. Xavier looks like so many other people. <laughs> and yeah, and then they, and he goes on to say with Netflix's global reach, if Xavier is going to be found, we're really hoping that the Netflix audience will find him if he's alive. That's the mystery. Did he kill himself after he went through the elaborate work that he did? Or is he out there somewhere? So we're hoping he's catchable. Mir says also that there's someone constantly working on the website going through leads. And it was a living, breathing television series where it has life of its own. So apparently that CCTV picture wasn't actually from Chicago. It was a man. It was actually him when he was last seen in Glasgow. He was in Glasgow? Apparently. They have proof that he was actually in Glasgow? That's interesting. That's what it says. There's so many weird things. Um, like, uh, oh, you already talked about the pizza. How his, the son worked at a pizza place. Yeah, yeah, and like he was known for like showing up very promptly to collect his wages. And I would too if I was a 20 year old. It, it, it seems it's creepy, but it seems like like the way that some of these like. The way that so so much of this stuff was taken care of, quote unquote, like their financial things and this and that, it seems like they were, I don't know, like held hostage. Like, isn't don't you feel in your head that they kind of knew that they were going to die, maybe or something, or something fucked up was about to happen? Like, it's just so weird. Uh, I mean, I get it. I don't think, I don't think if you're thirteen year old Benoit, you would know that your parents like. Uh, put in the last your they did your last payment for school, like right. you know. But it, it's also it just seems so it seems he would spend the money for that. Yeah, it seems oddly responsible that he would just uh t- 
you know, cross all these T's and dot all these I's, if you will. You know? Yeah, maybe. Just to, like, go on the lam forever. Yeah. It almost seems like he didn't want to. I don't know. It just seems like a sins of our fa- sins of like he he didn't want anybody to know that he was a financial failure. He didn't want his kids to know. It, he didn't want them to have any life that wasn't the perfect life they'd already been leading. And then he even goes so far as to uh, like pay off all of the debts and just square off as many things as he can with as many people before he does this awful thing. Um. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, I feel it like deep down in my soul, I feel like he's a skeleton somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? So I got a little bit more information. Yeah, yeah. About tell me something Glasgow, more about that Glasgow um, sighting that I just mentioned. So apparently, they police thought that they saw him boarding an EasyJet flight in Glasgow, but apparently they weren't they weren't able to apprehend him in time. So what they did was they knew the flight was going to Scotland. So they called the Scottish cops and they asked them to meet the, meet him on the other side. So anyways, they got him. Um, initially the print, the prints were a partial match, but then they actually did DNA and saw that he was not the same guy. So they let him go. Wow. Okay. So he was never in Glasgow. Nope. I honestly think he's long gone. I know that makes it so much less interesting. I mean, oh yeah, but it could. But I mean, where's his body, though? That's what the thing is. Like, where, if you're gonna commit suicide or something, where's your body? Wasn't there a case that we covered where somebody just walked into the fucking desert and they didn't find his body for a year, like until yeah. until like last year or something? Yeah, or maybe not last year in San Diego. I think it was like San Diego or Las Vegas. Some dude like we c- yeah went on like a peyote journey and just never came back. That sounds like fun. It was something like, yeah, if only, right? It was some, yeah. It was something like he, yeah, like they did a huge search and then they couldn't find him, and then they found his body way later, like years and years later. But I don't know. We do cover a lot of cases. <laughs> um, I couldn't point you into the direction of where to listen to that. Uh, we're not, we're not the most uh, together podcast, but uh, whatever. <laughs> At least when it comes to this. <laughs> See episode. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not like Stanley. Like we mentioned I something. I wonder how they know all that. See episode this to go to that. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the John List story. Do you know the John List story? Do you know who John List is the name sounds familiar. No. So we all, we also found a, a Google Drive. Where where did we find that Google Drive? It's got a lot of extras. Dan found it. It has extras, a little bit of extras, and just some specific like key points in each case. We should post that link. It's a yeah. uh, it's a Reddit forum that was started by the actual producers of the Netflix reboot yeah. of Unsolved Mysteries. Put the link on our Instagram. So there's a couple things that aren't in the episodes, but mostly, but mostly it's just like. Uh, key points of things. So I'm going to read, um, this is the, this lady, the lady that we get to know in the episode talking about, I would play the audio, but it's not going to help because it's in French, but, um, she talks about the similarities between this and the John list story. So I'm just going to read it while she says it. Let's see how this goes. In the United States, there's a much cited case that resembles the Ligonese case. It's in a fascinating and disturbing way. It's the John List case. (laughs) Sorry, I'll edit this. John List was an insurance agent who disappeared in 1971. 
in the family house that was similarly fashioned to the uh, bourgeois house that these guys lived in. They found the mother dead on the first floor in her room. They found his wife dead in the kitchen. This is his mother-in-law. She was killed while she was having breakfast. And also there was three children. They found that just as with Xavier Ligonnet's crimes that happened at two different times. The majority of the family was killed one day and the mother and the wife in the morning and the two kids when they came home from school. And in the evening, he went to watch a soccer game with his eldest son. Then after the game, they came home and he killed him. And he was missing for a while. Sorry, this is just me. And also there's similar chilling. There's a similar chilling postponement is what she says. There's also a similarity of all the preparation after the crime. John List called his children's school to say that they would not be able to come. <laughs> it's really mm. eerie. Like he looked up if somebody had done this before. He paused milk deliveries, 1971 USA. <laughs> he canceled the newspaper and magazine subscriptions. Really weird, right? <laughs> uh, and they found his car in the parking lot of JFK Airport. Where did he go? Because they found his car there, they thought that uh, he had flown far, far away. But that wasn't the case. They're madly similar, as we say, is the end of that. <laughs> In 1989, when young Xavier was doing his road trip across America to the United States, he apparently uh, read about John List. The story of John List came out, is what she says. They they found List because of a TV show, and on the show they used age-enhancing software to age John List's face. Wow. That actually worked? Yeah, they found him. So as – Face app. Yeah, face app. So John List had been on the run for 18 years. There was a woman who saw it and said, that's my neighbor, and it was her neighbor. <laughs> didn't we cover – we wow. didn't cover John List, right? I, he's not on Unsolved Mysteries. It was the perfect escape for 18 years, but it came to an end. Yep. I think it's a meaningful story to all those who hope Xavier Dupont de Ligonnais will be caught, is what she ends with. It is pretty similar. John List was on the run for 18 years. That's insane. So doing a little more research um, on this, uh, John List was actually caught with the help of America's Most Wanted. So, yeah, after 18 years on the run... You can still be caught. And for Homeboy, it's only been nine. So who knows? Um, but I don't know, man. My gut says that uh, he's gone. D- didn't mm. didn't you – I don't think you mentioned that there was like some blog posts or something that you read that he was saying that he'd rather be dead or something. That he'd rather be dead than poor. I don't know. So one of his things is he was a active member in a Christian blog, well, Catholic blog. And one of the articles he wrote was, it's better to be dead than to live your life in a sham. Mm. And he posted that right around the same time that his family died. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, Yeah. These, like we said, what we've been saying every episode for the past couple, uh, yeah, if you fucking unsolved.com, shit, you know, do it. Um, If you know somebody that looks like them, yeah, definitely call in and say something. This guy, oh, like his reasoning to me is insane, but it all points to that. Like, you know. Yeah, for sure. It all points to that. 
him not him like taking his nobility and his uh, family lineage, and I guess all of France was too. That he just fucking killed this beautiful family, and uh, yeah. So hopefully, I don't know, man. Like I've been saying, hopefully we get some new fucking. We get some more information. Updates. We get I some checking. I keep checking for updates. Dude, all I the can't time. wait for updates. It's gonna be sick. If we get some big updates, oh, it's gonna be so exciting. Um, oh man, especially some of these. I feel like they're so solvable. Yeah, yeah, they are very solvable. Um, especially, oh man, the last one is frustratingly solvable. Oh, dude, the last um, one is so frustrating. Yeah, but we'll get to it. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. We know that we have a lot of new listeners and because of the new Unsolved Mysteries. And, uh, it's awesome, and thanks so much for hanging out with us and uh, joining up. Um, you can donate money at anchor.fm. You can be like a, you know, you can contribute every month. Um, or you can just donate a one-time fee. Uh, you can also leave us a message. Leave us a message. Uh, we, we don't get messages. If we got a message, we would play it probably. Uh, you should do it. Um, we've been getting a lot of cool feedback on Instagram these past couple weeks. Yeah, um, even on our Facebook, we've been getting some little bit of action over there, which we never used to get. So yeah. Thanks for that. It's fun. Uh, it's fun talking about. I just kind of asked, did Rob do it <laughs> for Patrice interest, the husband? And, oh, man, people, yeah, it's it's interesting. Most of the people say he did it, but uh, like me, a couple of them are like, I don't think he actually killed her, but, you know, he is fucking weird, and I cannot deny that. <laughs> so it's a fun, yeah. It's it's been a fun uh, ongoing conversation. But, yeah, so that's uh, the House of Terror um, where all this terror happened and we don't know how and how it was so clean and there's just so many mysteries in the middle. Um, and we still, to this day, nine years and counting, have no idea what happened to Xavier Dupont de Ligonnais. And that's the last time I'm saying it tonight. Um, <laughs> I might have said Xavier a couple times, but uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for hanging out. We will be back as soon as we can with... Uh, um, uh, Zoe's story, right? Alonzo. Um, this is a heartbreaking story, the next one. But yeah, we'll be here for it. We'll cover it. It's kind of timely with all the Black Lives Matter stuff going on, how how hard that kit case hits at this time in America's uh, history. So yeah, hang out with us and we'll talk about that. Um, for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. And perhaps that someone's listening. And perhaps that someone is you. Unsolved.com.